the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Welcome to the Lloyd's List Podcast. I'm Richard Mead, editor of Lloyd's List. Tough markets come a standard for ship owners right now, regardless of your sector or size. But for those operators used to hauling cars, which are no longer being built, of course, and passengers who are currently locked down at home, the pause button has been firmly pressed on normal operations. Nearly a third of the global car carrying fleet was floating idled at the peak of coronavirus outbreaks as global car production halted completely virtually overnight. Our podcast guest this week is a return guest, Emmanuel Grimaldi, one of the co-owners of Italy's Grimaldi Group, which of course operates a significant fleet of car carriers and row-row ferries. As he put it in a recent interview with the Wall Street Journal, we are waiting for the world to restart, a sentiment no doubt shared by many of his peers. In this week's interview, we talk about his expectations for a recovery, but we also explore why he's felt it necessary to launch antitrust complaints against the governments he feels are distorting the marketplace by bailing out those weak shipping lines at the expense of those operating in the same trades that are well capitalised. We also touch on the subject of Roro safety in the wake of yet another car deck fire, this time aboard Grimaldi's Ropax vessel, Cruz Banaria. Although the instance itself was not a particularly serious one, a recent spate of fires has raised safety concerns and reignited Mr Grimaldi's long-standing concerns regarding safety rules, cargo misdeclaration and electrical issues that are responsible for the vast majority of fires aboard these types of vessels. Welcome back to the podcast, Mr Grimaldi. It's wonderful to have you back on. Thank you so much. It's been a challenging year for everyone, but you rather neatly summed it up in a recent interview saying that you were waiting for the world to restart. Can you tell us, are you seeing any green shoots yet? Can you offer us any optimism? Yes, definitely. I think that uh, um, April and May, uh, we have hit definitely the bottom. Uh, Definitely in Europe and uh, also in the United States and many other uh, countries, I think that was the worst. Uh, After that, slowly but steadily, particularly for the automotive, uh, it is restarting because they have closed down for many, many weeks. They have just closed down, so there there was no uh, production whatsoever. And uh, particularly for the automotive and car carriers, uh, I think uh, about one-third of the world fleet was idle without employment. Yes, I mean, we, we, we calculated a, a, about the same in terms of the world fleet. I mean, in terms of the Grimaldi fleet, you obviously have a, a relatively diversified fleet, but you are very focused on Roros within Europe, and, and, and you do carry a lot of cars. In terms of your vehicle capacity, how, how many have you got? have you had laid up and what's the current status? Uh, I, I, I think that uh, we have some sort of flexibility because we had few vessels on charter and we, we have found some compromises with the owners that were chartering the vessel uh, to us. Some of them uh, we paid and we completed the charter. In other cases, they have laid up some vessels and uh, of course we got some uh, advantage uh, because they have uh, reduced the time charter higher in consideration of the fact that uh, they have laid up the vessel and they had uh, reduced cost. But uh, 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 but there are about only uh, nine, ten vessels 
and we had about 20, 25 vessels uh, out of business in the in the worst period. So uh, altogether, considering that we operate over 100 vessels, it was not a disaster. A lot of our ships are multi-purpose ships, and they carry also diversified type of cargo, not only cars. The liner, liner deep-sea business, and I refer mainly to West Africa and South America. Yeah. You, you have that flexibility, certainly, but yeah. in terms of the return to the core business, do you see uh, a lag in terms of that coming back? Is it simply that the pent-up demand will flow, or have we lost business as a result of this, and this is just never no, going to come some back? Some business have been lost, and I think uh, it's very difficult to, to, to believe that it will be recuperated. Uh, in terms of our uh, company, I think we will lose about uh, quite considerable turnover, about 500 million uh, euro, which is about just below 20% of our uh, business. Uh, but at the same time, we are also buying much cheaper bankers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bankers uh, that we are... Uh, Buying, they are uh, costing about one third of what it used to be, especially during the peak period. April and um, May was very, very low the, the, the cost of bankers. So, but altogether, all of course, this will be a difficult year, but uh, particularly, I think, for two reasons. One is, of course, the automotive uh, traffic, and the second is the passenger traffic, uh, which has been hit very, very, very hard. And this uh, applies uh, to the Baltic uh, thin line, to the West Mediterranean uh, with Grimaldi, and also Minoan in the eastern part of the Mediterranean and the Greek coastal business. So there, I think we will lose uh, most probably. I think uh, it is possible that uh, we will have uh, half of the number of passes that we had before. Mm. Because you're not alone in struggling in those sectors, but you. I, I been... wouldn't say that we are struggling. I think we are we are fit. We are very fit, and uh, as I said, also there are uh, certain economies that can be done during this period. So uh, I, I I think that we are fighting hard and we are economizing what we can. But I wouldn't say that we are struggling. Understood, understood. But uh, tough markets nonetheless. And of course, you know, you're not alone in facing uh, those markets, but you have been quite vocal in terms of your view on how governments are responding to this. Um, And I'm talking particularly about state intervention. Now, you're quite clear about the difference between state support and um, the the required uh, government intervention, but give us your view in terms of how that is panning out, because I think it's fair to say you have a few concerns over the level playing field that's being uh, applied here. Exactly, exactly, exactly. That that is the point. I think that I it is very understandable that uh, certain rules that uh, particularly in Europe, but in many other states, have been um, made as far as the state aid. Uh, might be broken today because uh, the, the situation is very difficult and very hard and uh, certain uh, traffics, particularly to the small islands, but also to the big islands, the cabotage and other traffic needs support and particularly where 
uh, it has been prohibited to transport passengers. For certain passenger ships, it is necessary to receive some sort of uh, support. Where I have been <laughs> quite strong is that this type of help and support should be given to the entire sector. In other words, uh, uh, if uh, the government is intervening and is paying for uh, the cost of the seafarers, or is paying for uh, certain social cost of the seafarers, or is reducing the, the port cost, that is fair enough, uh, that is good, and it should be done to the benefit mm. of all. When this is done only to some uh, uh, ship owners, which are competing with other ship owners on the same line, even if this is not done on purpose, the help to to certain ship owners and not to others, of course, creates a, a big prejudice to the one who don't receive the support and makes uh, the life even more difficult for uh, some of them. And this unfortunately happened. And, uh, of course, I was complaining, uh, but I have also, uh, we have intervened with our lawyers because we feel that this is also illegal. Yes, I, I mean, this isn't the first time you, you've raised this as an issue. It has been a bugbear of certain quarters of the European uh, shipping industry for some time. But the question is, of course, what can be done about it? Do you, do you feel like the European Commission and European governments have, have listened in any way to these concerns, or do you think it is going to require some sort of you know, additional legal action on, on your part? I think we, we started the, the, the legal action and we are moving because uh, uh, I am afraid, you know, that, uh, you know, let, let, let's, let's be positive and uh, hopefully they will uh, change their attitude, but uh, they, they have already started and in some cases, they have been heavily subsidizing uh, some of the ship owners uh, to the detriment of others. Mm. But where is, happened. if I may ask, where, where is that legal action being directed? I think in their own countries, because uh, they refer, actually, for instance, uh, Greece, Greece was very transparent and they have operated to the benefit of all. And I want, for one time, because I know that many people have been criticizing in the past uh, government uh, behavior in Greece. I think they have been uh, fantastic and according to the book, they have helped all the ship owners and the minister took a very good decision. Unfortunately, in my own country, in Italy, uh, and of course we, we, are, we, we have already appealed uh, uh, to the Italian courts, and of course uh, this happened also in Finland where uh, the civil protection have helped some ship owners to the detriment of others, and there we are appealing. But of course, we are doing both the national and the uh, European EU intervention. To this. Mm. So do, do you think it requires? Of course, through through the antitrust, of course. Yes, but do you, do you do you feel like you're fighting a solo battle here, or are you, are you getting support from other ship owners? No, I think that more you? and more uh, in the beginning, <laughs> it was a little bit a solo. And uh, I know that I was even myself a bit uncomfortable, and I had to explain very well that I was not against. Of course, the, the government uh, help and aid during this difficult time. But of course, it is when <laughs> is altering uh, the competition that can be a very uh, dangerous behavior from uh, the government side. And uh, but I see that now many other ship owners in different parts of the world uh, are speaking up, 
And uh, they are also saying that perhaps within uh, the business there is more need than uh, of consolidation than uh, than perhaps uh, uh, help and state aid. Mm, okay. Let's change the subject slightly for the moment because safety has been uh, a topic that you've spoken out on for many years and particularly within your sector it is very much a visible issue. We've had a recent spate of car fires on on ferries and, and car carrier incidents and one of your own vessels, the Cruise Bonaria, um, had a, an incident with a car fire uh, in, in the last few weeks and you will know only too well over, over recent years and events like the Grande America in the Bay of Biscay and uh, other misdeclared cargo issues. Do you feel that the the car carrier and, and, and Ropex carrier uh, safety issues are being addressed sufficiently at a regulatory level? And do you think that there is more that needs to be done in this area? Because it does feel like we have seen more than our fair share of incidents in, the, in these sectors. Uh, this is true, but also uh, when we put this into perspective, we have also to understand that uh, uh, if for some companies this happens more frequently, it's also because they have a much bigger number of ships. Mm. Uh, if a company has 10 ships and another has 120, it is possible that uh, the company with 120 has more incidents than uh, one who has only 5 or 10 ships. Uh, said this, uh, uh, we are fighting and we are investing dramatically uh, into this sector. Just to give you an idea, uh, because you have touched upon all uh, safety and uh, security, uh, we have rules that go above the, the rules which are normally applicable according to the uh, normal safety and security standards. And the same thing is, is as far as uh, uh, security for the company, I can say that I have, um, for these problems of misdeclared cargo or the risk of, uh, uh, today there is also uh, risks of uh, attempt, or, uh, we, we took over three uh, senior officers of uh, the police which are working into our group. Uh, senior generals from the Italian Carabinieri that are uh, working and cooperating uh, with me, and they are, of course, in touch with all um, uh, the main uh, customs uh, to collaborate to avoid that there are uh, illegal traffics on board of the ships and inside the car. Uh, th this is one issue. The other issue is uh, uh, firefighting. Of course, Two big dangers, as far as we are concerned, and that's what we believe, is one is the refrigerated uh, refer cargos, and we have forbidden to carry uh, refrigerated units which are on their own engine. Unfortunately, mm. this fire on the Bonaria came out of, from a refrigerated unit, so uh, I was an oracle <laughs> in predicting, unfortunately, this type of risk. And uh, But unfortunately, it was plugged in. Was, uh, so there was a problem with uh, the plug or uh, something else. Now we have uh, the, the uh, fire officers are uh, studying how and when and uh, what is the reason. Uh, and of course, they are checking the lorry and uh, the cables of the lorry and so on. Mm -hmm. Then uh, the other... Uh, uh, 
risk, of course, to a certain extent, are the the new big batteries of cars and uh, sometimes even of the vessels. And, and of course, there must be perhaps new rules on how, for instance, on second-hand cars, we are uh, disactivating all uh, the, the the batteries from uh, the cars. So we are switching them out of the battery because there is, uh, of course, uh, additional risks. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are trying to to find all possible solutions to address these issues with uh, experts. The the existing problems, of course, with with, uh, second-hand cars and batteries, as you say, but as the industry switches more towards electric vehicles, do you think that the mix of uh, traditional sort of petrol and diesel uh, cargo and the new electric vehicles, is the industry ahead enough of the safety requirements to be able to deal with those different types of cargoes? Because obviously dealing with a fire that emanates from a, an electric vehicle is very different from dealing with one with a petrol engine, I guess. Most probably, yes. Actually, I'm not an expert engineer firefight, but I think we will study this. And uh, today, the number of uh, electrical cars is still very small. But even some hybrid cars have much power, more powerful batteries on board. So uh, uh, this remains to be seen and, 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 and to be studied. But I think actually the firefighting systems are very much the same. Of course, the explosion of a battery can be an additional risk. So, uh, we have, uh, but I think that it is in the general uh, interest also of the producers of. Uh, batteries and the risk is not only a risk on board, it's a risk also on earth because uh, it's like the risk of the pandemic, you know, the, the social distances and certain uh, rules that we have to obey, they, they are both uh, practical uh, and they should apply both if you are in a big hotel or if you are on a ferry. Certain of these rules and uh, the fighting and the safety, security issues are, of course, on top of the agenda of uh, the manufacturer of cars, of uh, the insurers, of uh, the ship owners. And I think uh, we and all the big companies have departments which are studying very carefully uh, what is happening. Wonderful. Um, Emmanuel Grimaldi from uh, Grimaldi Alliance, thank you very much for joining the Lois this podcast. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure. Thank you.